You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Hopefully you're stirred. Come. Actually, tomorrow night, uh, so we kick it off tomorrow night, I, I got a text from our superintendent. Uh, so we're part of a move, um, movement of churches called the Assemblies of God, and our, our superintendent who oversees 120 churches, he's going to be with us, him and, his, him and his wife, which God is no respecter of persons, but for us as a church, it's significant because he serves in, in like an apostolic role for us, you know, as a church, you know, overseer of, of many churches. And so the fact that he and his wife, out of their own just um, the generosity of their heart, they'd want to come and also contend alongside us, to me, that just confirms again that God is stirring something. And so come with expectation, with faith, it's going to be an amazing week. Uh, at the end of the service today, you'll all be receiving a copy of my book, Discovering the Power of Prayer, which I wrote for you. So as I sat there, I was going to say as I penned it, but I did not write it freehand. I, I did type it. As I was sitting there at the keyboard and, and, and typing out this book, it was your faces that fueled it. It really was. I mean, I, I continue to bring myself back to to our church family. It was no audience outside of this. It was really us saying, God is speaking a message to our church. And I wanted to convey that with my conviction, with my passions, uh, through through the stories that God has put into my life. And so that's really the heart behind the book. I think it's uh, digestible for every single person in this place, whether you're an avid reader or not. Um, It really, it's almost like a devotional type format. So at the end of every chapter there's like a response it's called experience it and so then there's there's space given at the end of every chapter for you to respond and take a moment to meditate on the truth that was expounded upon and then apply it to your life respond to god i believe that's how that's how prayer is experienced you can't really be taught in a classroom you're taught solely through teaching in a book it has to be experienced and therefore is uh i, I put that space at the end of every chapter called experience it's 12 chapters every chapter is under a thousand words um, so you can really di- digest it in one sitting. Um, it's also available on Kindle. If you're, if you want a digital format, it's on Amazon, but you can get the paperback f- for free this morning. So every, every person here, um, super excited about it. And actually the forward to the book was written by our superintendent, Tom Jacobs, who will be here tomorrow night. So he wrote the forward to the book and he just sets it up in an amazing way, really paints a picture of what's, what's at stake. What's in the, what's in the balance here. Uh, we can either just sit passively by, kind of allowing prayer to be a supplemental thing that we do, or we can allow prayer really step into something if we really feel our faith through the place of prayer. So we're going to dive into God's word this morning as we kick off the new year, as we kick off the season of prayer, as we kick off the week of prayer. We're kicking off three things this morning. Um, Revelation chapter three, I want to share a message with you called God is calling you. God is calling you. He's calling you, he's calling us collectively. God has a purpose for your life. I want you to leave here this morning with a greater sense of God's calling upon your life. Revelation chapter three, starting in verse 14, we are gonna read Jesus' message. So that's why the word, if, you, if you're reading in your physical Bible here and, and the words are in red, it's because it's the words of Jesus. This is Jesus' message to a real church in a city called Laodicea. He says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea. So this church had an angel. I don't know if our church has an angel, but it'd be pretty cool if we did, wouldn't it? It'd be pretty cool. 
Yeah, I don't know if we, there's no necessary scriptural precedent for that. Like when the, you establish the church, then you get an angel or something, I don't know. But, but this church had an angel, and so this was the message entrusted to the angel of the church in Laodicea, to the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. That's Jesus. He's the amen. Let it be. Whatever he says, it's going it's to happen. He's the amen. He's the faithful and true witness. He cannot lie. There's no shadow or, uh, or darkness in him. The beginning of God's creation. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus spoke seven messages to seven churches, and these were, these were real churches. These churches, he had a purpose for them. He was calling them to something. And so in a very um, intimate and specific way, he was calling them and, and getting their attention by using words and imagery that spoke to them very specifically. This morning, I told you God wants to use you. What's your response when I tell you that God, the God of the universe, Jesus, Jesus Savior of your soul, wants to use you? That in his, in his kingdom, you're not just, you're not just a, a, ticket holding, you know, a ticket to heaven holding a, t- a tender. You have a place to, to a part to play in His kingdom. What does that do to you? What what is it, what would you do if I said that God wants to use us as a church for something significant, not just to hold some ground, some real estate here in Ames, but to shake things up, to make a mark for a purpose? God is calling you. Every single one of you, God is calling you. And here in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is calling the church in Laodicea to something. But they are stuck in some apathy. They're stuck in some unhealthy contentment. There, there's healthy contentment. Godliness and contentment is great gain, as Paul says. So there is a form of good contentment, but this is, this, this is a, an unhealthy contentment. They are self-sufficient. They're apathetic. Maybe they're lazy. They're completely independent in and of themselves. They're prosperous and they're wealthy and they have good health. And so Jesus speaks a bold message to this church in Laodicea to get their attention. He wants to, he wants to wake them up from, the, from their apathy because he has something for them. And they will miss out if they don't wake up and see it and recognize it. So God's calling you. God wants to get your attention, and in order to get your attention, God speaks your language. I want to illustrate that here in these next few moments. God speaks our language to get your attention. 
If God created everything, God of the universe created all matter, he spoke it into being in a single word, I guarantee you that God can speak your language. He can speak in a way that's relevant to you. You, you are not some anomaly. You're not weirder than the person next to you. God can speak to you. He can speak in a language that translates to your life. In verse 15, he says, I wish that you were either cold or hot, but since you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. The Laodiceans were very, very familiar with the realities and the, the annoyances of lukewarm water. You see, the, the source of water in Laodicea was a hot spring, but this hot spring was several miles out of town. And so the water would travel from this hot spring via this aqueduct into, into the center of town. And by the time it got to the, the water sources in town, it would be lukewarm. And who likes lukewarm water? You, know, you want either piping hot water to be used for something or you want it to be refreshingly cool, but not lukewarm, tepid water. And so the, so the Laodiceans, every single day, they, they, they were intimately familiar with the annoyances of lukewarm, lukewarm tepid water. So Jesus uses this imagery to wake them up. Either make, it, make a decision one way or another. Either jump, you know, red hot, fiery hot after me, jump in with all that you are, or turn away. Make a decision. Don't sit in this middle ground of mediocrity. Don't sit, settle here in complacency and apathy. Either jump in or turn away. He was getting their attention. He spoke their language. I mean, when, when, when Jesus speaks to the angel over Laodicea with this language, all of a sudden the, the believers there, they're like, okay, he, he knows us. I was just this morning thinking about how annoying it was to wash the dishes with lukewarm water. They, they, they realized these were the frustrations that they wrestled with themselves and Jesus speaking their language. In verse 17 and verse 18, he talks about their wealth. He says, you think you're rich. You think you've prospered, that you're in need of nothing. Not realizing that in actuality, you're poor, blind, pitiable, and naked. There's what we see on the outside, but there is a, a real, a real, uh, the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation was they were actually poor, pitiable. They were wretched, poor, pitiable, and naked. He spoke their language. The, the city in Laodicea was, was a very wealthy, prosperous city. They had done well because of banking, because of some medical advancements that they, that they came upon as a city. So they knew wealth. They were well off. They, they were clothed well. They ate well. They, they lived well. And in that, it breeded this self-sufficiency. So Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. I, I counsel you to tap into the real stuff. Not playing around on the, on the peripheral with this materialistic stuff, but really jump in. He speaks their language. That's an eye-opening eye -opening reality. Is if, if you're prosperous, you're wealthy, and Jesus says you're kind of putting all your value in the wrong thing. That gets your attention. You either got to say, this guy is crazy, Jesus is crazy, or I'm all in. And that's what, that's what Jesus is bringing them to. A, a, a crossroads, a point of decision. You can't receive that type of revelation that's so intimate, so direct, so relevant to our lives and not make a decision. Either he's crazy or it's real. And I got to jump in then. It, it deserves a response. Third example is in verse 18. 
He says, yeah, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. But he says also that they would apply this salve to anoint their eyes. The city of Laodicea was known for this breakthrough in medicine where they would apply this powder to their eyes. Those who, whose, whose eye, eyesight was starting to fail or have other ailments in their eyes, they'd apply this powder and they became known for this in Laodicea. So Jesus is throwing the punch here. You, th- you think you, you guys are patting yourselves on the, on the back for being known for this, this uh, for great eyesight and for having this, this ointment or, or healing ability for eyesight, but in actuality, you're blind. And so I counsel you to actually apply the, the, this anointing for your eyes so that you may really see. Jesus speaks our language. God wants to get your attention. And he can. If we'll have ears to hear. If we'll have humble hearts to say, God, I want you to speak to me. I don't want to miss out. I want you to use me. If you raise up your hand and say, God, I want, I want to be used by you. I know you have a purpose for my life. I don't want to be so stubborn. I don't want to be so prideful. I don't want to be so self-sufficient. I don't want to be independent. God, I want to be fully dependent. You say that. God is so responsive to that. He speaks our language. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says that my sheep will know my voice. That's what he says. It's a promise. He doesn't play hard to get. Actually, he, he speaks your language. The, his sheep will know his voice. And the reason he wants to get our attention the reason he, he speaks our language and he's, he's trying to shake you up a little bit to get your attention is because he wants relationship with you. That's what he's after. It's your heart. So second thing I want to speak into this morning in light of Revelation chapter 3 is that God is calling you into relationship. That's what he's after. He wants you to walk, and as we sang this morning, in friendship with him, in relationship with him. This is the good news of Jesus. Right standing with the Father, relationship with Jesus. And I pray that that gets, gets you excited. The fact that Jesus purchased that for you. Real relationship with God. Really, every description, Jesus came and he described what he was going to do. And every description that, that's, that's given of the good news of Jesus can be summarized as relationship with God. As Job as Joe talked about earlier, a description of Jesus being the groom and the church being the bride that only makes sense in the context of relationship. A marriage is not just a, 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 um, a formal uh, contract or agreement. That, that would be, it's not a business transaction. A marriage is a relationship. And that's the picture that, that the word of God portrays that, that Jesus purchased for us. It's the bride and the bridegroom in covenant relationship. Another description is, is that of adoption. Our father adopting you as a son or a daughter. And when you're adopted, there's relationship. He's not just purchasing you a, a parcel in heaven far away, far removed, so that you can just survive. He adopted you as a son or a daughter with an inheritance. That means with great value, he invites you into this co-laboring relationship. Jesus says that I no longer call you servant, I call you friend. So time and time again, these descriptions of the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus came to accomplish, can be summarized as relationship. That's what God is calling you into is relationship. So the basis of what God is calling you into is, is, is it's based in relationship. We all want to be used for something great. We all want our lives to matter. 
And the basis of our lives mattering and having any sort of purpose, it's all based in relationship. And so in verse 20 here in Revelation chapter 3, we get this beautiful picture of the relationship that Jesus is inviting us into. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus, before this, was speaking very poignantly, very specifically, very uh, intimately to the Laodiceans. But then he flings the doors wide open. He speaks the language of all humanity. It's the language of food. Every culture, every society, every human in history speaks that language. The fact that Jesus wants to come in and sit at the table with you, the common table, chow down with you and and sit around and and eat and talk and have friendship. I can't think of a single friend in my life that I haven't shared a meal with. That is is the common language of of everyone in this place. But that's what Jesus is after, his relationship with you. That's right. God of the universe, the holy, majestic one. The one in our team prayer this morning, I read this passage in Revelation chapter 5 of of the throne room where there are literally creatures that that sit day and night and they just cry out, God is holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. It's that God that wants to sit and have a meal with you. If you'll hear him. Sadly, most do not. Most do not hear Jesus calling. He's calling you because he wants relationship with you. So you may be in your mind, you're like, I thought we were kicking off a series on prayer. What does this have to do with prayer? Out of all the messages, you're going to start with this, if we're going to talk about prayer. Yes. Jesus is calling you. The basis of that calling is it's based in relationship. And the conduit of that relationship, the conduit of expressing that relationship is prayer. That's how it comes together. So you really can't start to talk about prayer unless you first ground yourself in the place of relationship with God. So here's really our main idea for this morning. Prayer is an experience and an expression of a love relationship initiated by the love of God. It's his idea, it's not ours. That's why prayer is not, it's not an obligation or a duty. Prayer is not a a thing for you to pat yourself on on your back for self-righteousness and and works, not to earn God's favor. It's it's his idea. He initiated it by sending his son, by making a way for us to come into relationship with him. And love simply becomes then the expression of that relationship. Prayer is the conduit of experiencing real relationship with God. And I pray that you hear him calling. This week of prayer that we're coming into, I'm really excited about it. Not because of it's a unique idea in any sort of way. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's kind of traditional. But I feel like as we kick off a new year, we can kind of press the reset button a little bit with our, with our senses and say in a fresh way, God, I want to hear you speaking to me this year. I want to be in a fresh way. I want, you, I want to be sensitive to what you're doing in my life sensitive to your calling on my life in a fresh way stoke intimacy with jesus i believe it's available to everybody everybody here this morning that call but sadly many of you don't hear it romans chapter 1 verse 20 
This is what Paul says. He says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Paul makes clear here that God has made himself available to all of humanity. He's made himself clearly known through, through creation. Someone's got a call here on the front row. All right. <laughs> but he says they're without excuse. God has made himself known. He's speaking their language. It's a, it's a matter of whether or not we'll hear him. Am I right? Will you hear him calling you this morning? <laughs> this, is our, this is our youth director actually down here. Just FYI. This is our youth, youth director, Riley, Riley Edwards. So. There's another example of this in Acts chapter 17. <laughs> Acts chapter 17. Can I just see who is this, who is this calling? <laughs> who is, I'm gonna answer it. I don't know who this is. I don't know how to work this, it's an Android phone. Hello? Oh, this is God? Really? Oh, you're trying to get our attention, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for ignoring you, God. I'm sorry. That was actually all set up. We were, pl we were playing with y'all. I wanted Riley to do that because I feel like oftentimes we treat God like that. We, we treat him like it's, it's a phone call that's kind of interrupting our day interrupting what we're doing, and we just kind of press, yeah, not right now, let's just ignore that for a moment. Let's put that on silent. And we put God in these compartments. We talked a lot about that in the fall. I don't believe that ever goes away. I want us to continue to hit, hit at that. God's calling you into something so much more, this all-consuming, immersive relationship of intimacy with him. And it's like when you, you hear him calling just like that, it's like your ears, your ears perk up, the tone is supposed to grab your attention. Your ears perk up and you say, okay, God, what are you saying right now? I'm all in. What are you, what are you saying to me right now? I'm, I'm in. We hear him calling. Let's not ignore him. Let's not say, oh, you're bothering me. I'm going to just silent. I'll get, I'll get back to you later. Leave a voicemail, God. Why didn't you speak up earlier when I was having my devotions while eating my frosted mini-wheats? We, we put God in those compartments. God is calling us to something so much deeper, so much richer. And I was, I was about, before Riley interrupted me, uh, I, was, I was referring to Acts chapter 17, where Paul is in Athens and he's, and he's standing before all their idols and all their statues and they have gods for everything. The God of, of the air and the God of the water and God of, of love and romance, the, the God of everything. But even in that, in that polytheism, they recognized that they were still lacking something. There, there was something missing. And so they left one statue over here, and they said, to an unknown God. And Paul used that, that statue that they themselves engraved as dedicated to, a, to an unknown God. He used that as an opportunity to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. 
He's like, this is the one. This is the one you're missing. It's Jesus Christ. Will you have ears to recognize that? I believe he makes himself available. And so even the Athenians, who hadn't heard the, the, the name Jesus yet, they knew in their hearts, because God had been revealing himself to them, that there was something more. There was something much deeper, so, so much richer than, than what their polytheism offered them. And that's exactly how Jesus ends this letter to the Laodiceans. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. I say, yes, I want that to be me. I want to have ears that hear what the Spirit is saying. You know, that same phrase that Jesus says there is exactly what he said after he spoke his parables. He'd speak these parables, which were really meant to confound the wise, to to confound the the self-righteous, the religious. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He was not making fun of people that were hard of hearing. He was saying, those who have receptive hearts, they'll hear it. And those who are self-sufficient and independent and full of themselves, they will not. It will fall on their deaf ears. So I pray that we hear Jesus calling in this season of prayer. That there be a fervency and an urgency in our hearts to buy from Jesus his gold refined in the fire. And that's why I went to such great lengths to write this book. I'm not a prolific writer. I'm not an experienced writer. I simply felt like there was something more. I felt like we were on the edge of of something great. I'm going to speak about this a little bit more next week, but I was like, God, I only got one life to live. Our church only has one life to live. You only get one shot at at this. Let's go for it. I I really feel like this real relationship-driven prayer is the key. That's what God is calling us to. If everyone would stand across this place, I want us to respond to Jesus. God wants to move in your life. He wants to speak to you. He wants to do the miraculous. We'll talk about the fruit of the power of prayer. We have to build the foundation first, but we'll talk about the fruit, which is obviously a breakthrough and answers to prayer, the power of prayer to, to do the miraculous. This is the foundation. This is where it all starts. And I'm believing that in 2019, you're going to experience those things more than ever before. If everyone just bow their heads, close their eyes, I want to give... We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.